From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. Friday, April 21st, 2017, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating a site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can easily customize one of their award-winning templates and then add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse and no plugins. It's super easy. I was messing around on Squarespace the mm-hmm. other day, and I was like, I'm going to open up a store. <laughs> Embarrassing thought, nothing to sell. <laughs> like, I was just like, <laughs> it seems so easy and fun to do. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I, lo- I love messing with settings and enter... Nothing. Literally, the next thing I was going to say is you can even launch a powerful online store. Uh, they have yeah. hundreds of thousands of merchants that use them. Yeah. They uh, Squarespace includes all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, send custom emails yes. uh, in one intuitive interface. It's called uh, Squarespace Commerce and allows you to understand every aspect right. of your business. What the only thing they don't do is give you something to sell. That is the big problem yeah, with Squarespace. Because <laughs> if they had, you know, trinkets or doodads, yeah. Yeah. I'd set up a store. Yeah, uh, I, I was on Squarespace last night, just updating our uh, relevantmediagroup.com oh, website. Yeah. I had to add a few new job openings. You know, I saw that on Facebook. Wow. Very big deal. Very big deal. Y'all I, sh- I want to apply every time when I see those. I'm like, oh, I would love that. Oh my gosh, I would be, I, that would be so fun. I would love to oh. be a part of your interview process. <laughs> we are relentless. Yeah. It is terrifying. Yeah. Me, uh, it's basically, it's, it's a boot camp situation i mean yeah. there there's a you walk in there's an all-white room with a rubik's cube on the table and a bunch <laughs> of crossfit stuff it's intense <laughs> <laughs> yeah well hey start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code relevant to get 10 percent off your first purchase squarespace set your website apart well like i said i'm your host cameron and here with me in our orlando studios eddie big yes, cat he has risen yes <laughs> Um, over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And if you haven't been able to yes. tell, our guest uh, cast member for the week sitting in for the whole show is our very favorite author, speaker, Shauna Nequist. Good morning. This yes. is so fun. Thanks, uh, you guys. Warms our hearts uh, to have you here. Mom's it's home. a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. So many questions about dry shampoo and things that I've been waiting to ask. I, I feel like there are listeners who downloaded right now and took a sigh of relief knowing that Shauna's here. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, there's a couple reasons why uh, Miss Nequist is joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, we missed her. You know, yeah. number two. Yeah, we I mean we've called every week, and yeah. she always seems to be she busy. Never picks up. <laughs> yeah, and at some point we have to just believe that maybe it's us. Yeah, every they Skype me, and I'm like, guys, yeah. guys, we talked about this. I'm working. I said no six months ago, but okay. <laughs> but we broke her spirit, and here she is. Uh, but before we get to that big reason, which we will in just a second, yes. I, I want to tell you who's coming up on the show today. It's a great show uh, coming up later. Coin joins us. They have a brand new album that's out today. It's called "How Will You Know If You Never Try," which is my motto. In life. 
Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, and then coming up later, Lee Strobel joins us. Uh, there, the movie based on his book, The Case for Christ, is out now. It's getting great reviews. And so the actual guy, Lee Strobel, is joining us. Yeah, it's great. It, like Pure Flix, the company that's put it out, has put out some movies that haven't exactly been well-received uh, by all types of critics. This one across the yeah. board is crushing it. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like at like 80% It's like or so. the first wow. Christian movie, like, you know, faith-based movie uh, that's gotten a certified fresh rating wow. from yeah, critics. Th- th- this, is, this is like, it's a really well-respected, you know, a lot of people are praising the movie that aren't, that have nothing to do with Christianity. It's pretty cool. And, you know, fun, fun fact, my dad is played by an actor in that movie. Weird. So, what did your dad consult right no way how, <laughs> how do you do that no he was he was he was totally he's a part was of so the story. Funny. he was telling us about it he's like i just said hey lee that's cool just whatever just do whatever you want like he just was not he was like bet i'm cheering you on this is great i don't need to be involved in casting my person or approving anything he's like sounds great now yeah. Rona, have you seen the movie yet yeah, yeah yeah i have not seen it yet no i've heard good things though the real question is what does your mom think because i <laughs> want her to watch the movie and just go like wow he is handsome yes. <laughs> the movie star version of you looks great that is exactly in my head that's what i was going for <laughs> well, well what's funny is i have like exactly one friend who is a hollywood actor and he emailed me and he was like the we my world just all came together because a script i just got a script from my agent to play your dad Whoa. <laughs> and I was like, what? so he didn't end up doing it but it was like all the little worlds coming together so it's supposed to be a great film i'm looking up who the actor is right now we can keep talking christian bale it's oh, christian bale oh i don't yeah. know Tony, of course it, it is, is. Yeah. um okay so the big announcement well should we do you need to catch up with shawnee you told me when when we were i just did have a question i've seen a lot of people tweeting about dry shampoo and i'm trying to understand what that's about <laughs> The other question I've had for a long time, and you always seem so clean, is why is there different, and we can answer this offline if you want, but but like I was at the Y today, uh-huh. and I took my shower okay. afterwards, and it's all one soap, so you go head to toe with just the yeah. soap that's there. Yeah, kind of car wash style. Yeah, why do we use different soaps? Like, why isn't it just one soap for the whole Shauna? Because, well... These are a lot of really interesting questions. Let me just let me just slow down right here. Let's go back to dry shampoo. Decades, smart women mm-hmm. have been getting away with not washing their hair for a couple days. And if you're blonde, you put a little baby powder in the roots. Okay. And if you're a brunette, you put a little baby powder with a little cocoa powder to make it darker colored in the roots, right? Cornstarch works as well. These are just like normal items you have in your house and they absorb the oil and they make your hair kind of dirty in like a good messy way. Women have been doing this forever. And then some smart pharmaceutical shampoo person was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put that stuff in a bottle and make people buy it for $8. And so that's what dry shampoo is. So this has been done for a long time. And this company just, somebody decides to take this just very ancient idea and put it in a, put it in a box. I think Cleopatra invented it. Right. Well, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it was necessarily like an Egyptian ancient thing, but I am saying women have been doing it for a long time. Huh. Well, before they started putting it in aerosol cans and selling it for, you know, $48 on Sephora or whatever. Yeah. Uh, sure. So, Shona, I, I have dry shampoo and dry soap at my house that I use all the time. Dry if, soap. If a scenario happens that I can't, uh, you know, shower, it's called Axe body spray. It's called Febreze. Oh. Just, 
I, I, I create a big. <laughs> what I do is, but here's the thing: I don't want to be. I don't want this to be too overwhelming for people. So what I do is, I stand in the door of the bathroom and uh-huh. I let about a half a can's worth of each just fill the room, and I run in and do a couple twists for a minute and let the mist <laughs> yep. just stand in the mist instead of direct contact. Mm-hmm. It smells like I just walked out of the shower. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's how I, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to wash clothes anymore. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I that's have what a whole for. system. So the axe is for you. The Febreze is for the clothes. That, so yeah, you're, you're exactly. doing laundry I'm and showering. Spr- at the same yeah, exactly. Time. It's, yeah. I create I like a gigantic cloud and just kind of walk through there. It's it's. Uh, I've developed I've developed some breathing problems, but um, I, you know what? Well, you know it's weird, guys. I'm actually I'm getting some pretty bad nosebleeds. And, uh, <laughs> my vision my vision's been tunneling a little, uh, but I'm saving I'm saving literally like 12 minutes a day. So, Shauna, yeah. it's not to look less oily. It's it's just to look less like oily because it can't really clean because cleaning would require Whoa. abrasion. It's not cleaning. It's putting a, like it's putting powder in to dry up the oil. It's sweeping up the kitchen floor, not mopping it. Got it. Yeah, understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Shauna, my, thank my, you. my thing is like getting your house fumigated for for bugs, which. I call it the fume. I have a I have a literal tarp that I put up in the bathroom and just get in that fumigation. <laughs> you know what's weird? It's killed a lot of bugs in the bathroom too, which I think says something about how dangerous it is. Did I, did but, I tell uh, you guys? I, I feel like maybe I can't remember if this was pre podcast, but you know, um, spray tanning. It's like a thing yeah, that you do, and sure. usually you go yeah. to a place. But I found like a friend of a friend who was willing. She she does spray tans, and she'll come to your house and do it okay. and I was like well that's better right like obviously yeah. I'd rather someone come to my house than me like go somewhere just as a rule for life but what it involved was her essentially building a little plastic tent in my master bathroom and then putting me in it and spray tanning me. And it was one of those moments. And I figured, you know what? It feels right to like, if I'm going to do this, why don't I invite some girlfriends over? Let's just all get it done. You know? And it was one of those things where I like came out of the bathroom and came out to the living room. And I was like, Hey, Christy, I'm really glad you're here to experience this. This is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. There is a total stranger in my bathroom and she has built a tent and now I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild. Shauna, right? I'll say this. You know, uh, from my own experience, building tents in my bathroom and filling them up with fumes to avoid showering, <laughs> it is good to have friends over because I passed out now. <laughs> and Dana came home about seven hours later. And, uh, you know, there's there's about, there's about a week that I don't even remember. So I, I go with what I call the buddy system if you're doing fumigation shower. <laughs> It's it's you know you gotta have someone to pull you out. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the the the, the priest and the uh, the holy of holies. Yeah, I wear they, a cowbell. They put the rope my... on his ankle so they could pull him out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah you're, you're I, you know I'm flying pretty close to the sun on this. Yeah. Thing, so yeah, it's like you send a canary in every once in a while to see if people can still live. Oh man. Okay. So there the really is uh, big news that we're excited to tell you guys about. Um, if you remember uh, last month on the show, we mentioned. One of the big uh, new things that we're taking on here at Relevant is this summer, this spring, we are launching the Relevant Podcast Network. And uh, what we're going to be doing is launching a couple of shows at a time, starting May 1st and uh, into June and July. And in September, we'll be rolling out new shows throughout the rest of the year. And we are very excited to announce that the very first new podcast of the Relevant Podcast Network is 
hosted by Miss Shauna Nyquist. Yes. It's the Shauna Nyquist podcast debuting May 1st, Monday, May 1st. Does it have a name? Is it the Shauna Nyquist podcast? The Shauna Nyquist podcast. Yeah. To the point, right on the news. Right. Yeah. Tell us about tell us about the show. Well, it has been so fun. So I just re- recorded the first two episodes um, last week and it was literally like, hi, I've totally never done this before. I've, I mean, I, I literally was like, how do I call someone on Skype? Someone on Skype. They just usually call me. Like I have no idea. Um, and it was really, really fun. So I had two conversations with two good friends who've written great books recently. And I am really excited about it. Um, I think it's a, fun, I mean, we, I got to the end of one of them and I was like, okay, Hey, when was the last time we had an hour long conversation in any setting? This yeah. is great. Yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that for, for this other project, we get to connect. So I hope what it feels like is, um, getting to learn about the lives of interesting people that I like, that I admire, um, cause I'm learning from them and I just would love for, for to gather up a group of people to learn from them as well. Man, I, I was listening to one yesterday, and I was literally getting like emotional. Listen, like these are incredible conversations. Wow, Jesse yeah. has not cried since well before his wedding. It's <laughs> yeah, been... well, well, well voluntarily. I mean, it was during one of the misting incidents. Uh, it wasn't really, I wouldn't call it crying, but there was a discharge around the eye that I was, that was pretty concerning. Yeah, um, that was more staring down the last moments of life and kind of considering yeah, it yeah. all. But uh, wondering what yeah, you've made was, of yourself. Yeah. They brought me back. They brought me back. Uh, Shana, I am. <laughs> deeply excited about this show yeah i am like pumped about you can't say who the people are but yeah. it's gonna right. be awesome one fun thing that we're doing is i so uh, one million years ago when i wrote a book and then my publisher said now you get to start a blog and i was like i don't totally know what that is um what i decided then uh was if nothing if i can't think about anything else in the world like if i can't think of anything else to talk about on the internet i can always talk about books and about food yeah. and so every podcast conversation we have two whatever we talk about we have two short conversations about books and about meals right. so at the very least you get to hear what people are eating what memories they attach what good memories they attach to food what they would choose for their last supper but also oh. books that they love books they recommend that kind of stuff oh man it's i, can't I wait. cannot wait yeah. this will be great isn't it so may one it may launches. one monday so every monday we're going to do an eight-week season mm-hmm. so every monday for eight weeks uh there will be a new episode of shauna's podcast uh we'll remind you guys but you know you can go over to iTunes, obviously our website, Sean's website, um, and subscribe and uh, make sure to make sure to check it out. It's gonna be a, a great show. We're very very excited about yeah. it, and just it's fitting that it's the first one of our kind of new era with the Relevant Podcast Network. We're very excited. Um, are you going to talk to Jordan Cox at any point? Do you know who that is? I don't know who that is. Played Bill Hybels in the recent movie, <laughs> Case for Christ. <laughs> she, she, I think he's going to be up for an Academy Award this year. He's, probably, so. he's 25 years old, probably, and very handsome. Like He's really? a really good-looking guy. So good for your dad. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Jesse, not, um, now, I, you know, if we're currently teasing upcoming things. Now, I don't want people to look ahead too far because I want them to enjoy this show, this episode. That's right. That's but right. you, you're working on something for next week's uh, relevant podcast that you're pretty excited about. Can I tease Jesse's tease? Yeah. What Jesse's about to tease is the best thing that has ever happened in this show. <laughs> Jesse, take it away. Yeah. I, okay. So you guys may remember about a year ago or so, there was a segment that we did. It was a one-time thing up to that point called outlaw hero. 
where there was a, yeah. where there was a gentleman who on the fourth of July was rocking out a guitar solo in the streets of Daytona Beach was arrested by the police. And we did a segment with him because I felt like this was, a, you know, just an injustice that we yeah. had to expose. That gentleman was short. He fought it. He took it to the courts and he fought it. Yeah. And he won. And I credit the Outlaw Heroes segment for, for basically he was, shedding he, light on it. He was, he was doing an incredible rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. He wasn't That's like, right. he wasn't doing like concert. He was being a patriot on July 4th. Exactly. He was doing his American duty, right. which is to drag an electric guitar out in the street and play the Star Spangled Star- Star- Banner. So anyway, justice was served. And, and ever since then, I get people, you know, kind of hitting me up a lot. Like, when is this segment coming back? And I'll be honest, there's been a couple times where I've looked into things, where I've, con- you know, I, I brought up the Bodie McBoat facing, but nothing felt right. right. Nothing felt like there was an injustice that was happening right. by someone skirting the rules maybe a little bit, but becoming what I call an outlaw hero. Well, this week, a case emerged that was so outrageous and egregious that I had to chase it down. And uh, uh, I won't give away what the case is, but I had a conversation yesterday. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it involves two people that podcast listeners, they'll know when, when they hear it. The, this is not an unfamiliar story. It's an unfamiliar update. It's shocking. It is shocking. But these two individuals have promised me that I have verbal confirmation that you'll hear in this. It's going to be a dramatic true crime drama you're going to hear. Oh my goodness, that they will Jesse. take this case. You're spending more Supreme time on this than Shauna did about her major new podcast launch. Listen, <laughs> let me just pause. Jesse well, for they, a second. they promise no, to wait. go to the Supreme Court if they have to. And I have a dramatic, <laughs> a dramatic segment that you will hear next week. You are not going to miss. I it. I had an actual meeting with Jesse yesterday about right. actual business things, right. right? That actually matter, right? We had 30 minutes, 28 were spent on this. And then in the last two minutes, we did a couple bullet points and just agreed to email each other. The, you're not getting him back until this thing airs. Whatever, whatever was on his calendar for the next week, gone. And I make, am so it, tempted to tell people, but I can't. I can't. You it, just got to tune in. And it makes sense because as we heard before the show, Dana isn't home. That's right. And when Dana's not home, <laughs> yeah. Jesse is able to just run free in this. He goes into a this, wormhole. The playland. I, I, I of told Sean before we came in because she's having it's a recent renovations to her kitchen, and I, I said that Dana is out of town. She's she's in California for a week. Okay, seven days, and I have two young kids. She left yesterday, and my house is already in th- is already Thunderdome status. I haven't seen the kids. I don't know where they are. They've been gone one. She's been gone one day, and and there right now is a barrel fire in the living room, and there's a guy warming himself. I don't know. He's wandering. A guy in. warming himself. Yeah. When I go out of town. I, I, I start preparing several days in advance. I make healthful meals. I get the laundry back in the drawers. There's all sorts of, you know, prepared vegetable-y, protein-y things. Right. I get back and nothing has been touched. <laughs> Everything is a disaster. There's like one scented candle burning. That's the like, we know you're coming home. You yeah, know, we, we, we understood that you were landing from your flight at some point. So we lit a candle to make it feel like a nice place in here. And then there's like food that we've never had in our house ever in my life in our pantry. I'm like, did, did someone break in and deliver nutter butters and Fritos to our house? Well, it's been just over 24 hours in my house. The interior of my house is already like the movie The Road. If there's like <laughs> ash and dust just blowing across. <laughs> but what I, what I like too scary. is that Aaron, your husband, like... Instagrams it in real time. So like he's like, we miss Shauna. And it's just like a picture of a hot dog next to a piece of white bread. I'm like, I 
I think there was more stuff in the house, and I'm certain she made some sort of thoughtful preparation. And, and he, she's been gone. She like left that morning. And it's like, what happened? <laughs> clearly, it's been four hours. Clearly, man. he goes to the store <laughs> if there's extra nutter butter showing up. So right. he goes to right. go- buy things. Right. Yeah. I think he's like, oh, I'm gonna miss you. But like the car is on, and he is on his way to the local, really the not the good store, like the, no, the like Walgreens, like the, the drugstore <laughs> that also has candy. Right. And the, <laughs> and the boys are just carrying like armfuls of macaroni and cheese microwave th- stuff and it's just <laughs> mom's gone this is the best as Guys. soon as I get home I'm like everybody in the bathtub they're like we took a bath I'm like that's a that's, lie no, no, no. just get in there no, I can smell you from here yeah. candle or not we're gonna find everybody a smells like nutter butters <laughs> get in the bathtub I need to introduce Aaron to my misting system as well. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am dangerously close to serving ice sandwiches for dinner yeah like that's how that's the point <laughs> Uh, oh man all right well moving the show along it's time for our weekly look back at what happened in culture and entertainment it's time for in case you missed it well in case you missed it this week jennifer hudson sang her favorite hymn uh, to stephen colbert on on his show oh yeah not like just in his living room yeah i've been weird uh it was but it was incredible uh she was a guest on the late show this week and they were exchanging stories about growing up in the church and so hudson explained that her first big performance was during a church service on easter sunday she even sang him a few bars from her favorite hymn talk about a child and as you might expect it was awesome uh afterward uh stephen colbert joked if i wasn't a christian when that song started i would be when that song was over mm-hmm. yeah here is a clip do you have a favorite hymn to this day uh oh my god talk about a child i sang that song in church like talk i said talk about a child you want me to say like? would you mind just give mm-hmm. us a taste here <clears throat> i used to say talk about a child that do Love Jesus. She is sitting on a couch while singing this. Yeah. Then yeah. I said, talk about a child that's looking high. Yeah. This isn't like, this isn't like on a stage. This is on a, that's just insane. Kingdom. I ain't gonna sing the third verse, but y'all look at me. Man, she's the best. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Golly. I'll tell you though, Dream Girls wasn't very good. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the but musical. I don't, they I were, don't blame that on her. She still she's still got a, a rad voice. Yeah, yeah. amazing voice. If yeah. I could sing pass, like that, I would not talk. I would only sing. <laughs> right. I would just walk around and be like, "Want to listen?" Because I'm doing it again, again, again. <laughs> I do like that she owns it though. She doesn't like try to play coy. She's like, "I'm a singer, and that's kind of why I'm on this show right now." So here's right. a few bars. Right. She just yeah. and then kills it. In case you missed it, uh, this week, Steph Curry, Golden State Warriors stars, the NBA playoffs going on right now, so people are talking about Steph Curry. So a new book called Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry is releasing this week, and it describes an interesting story from his career. Back in 2012, he suffered a gruesome ankle injury. It was so bad, it could have ended his career. But after undergoing a risky surgery, doctors were hopeful he would recover. But after returning to the court, the ankle was re-injured when it was accidentally kicked by another player. So days after the re-injury, the team's then coach, Mark Jackson, who was also a pastor, the, he's an ABC commentator mm-hmm. now, you know, uh, yeah. he was a pastor. Um, he invited uh, Steph and several teammates to a church service at the True Love Worship Center International, where he was pastoring. So the book says uh, this, 
Curry, uh, two days removed from his latest sprain, found himself taking laps with Jackson and the other members filled with the spirit. After the high energy worship service, Curry was invited down to the altar where pastors took off his shoes and socks, anointed his ankle with oil and prayed for healing. The church was more charismatic than Curry was used to. So when he started returning to a seat, Jackson's wife, who was also a pastor, told him, you don't get a blessing from Lord and just walk off. Show us you believe in the power of God. And according to the book, Curry started shimming and hopping on his right foot, much to the delight of the congregation. So a little update. He's won two MVPs since then. (laughs) (laughs) And the ankle's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In case you missed it, uh, this season of Dancing with the Stars has been featuring worship songs. I don't know if you watch the show every week. Do you? No, you would think it would be in my wheelhouse, but it just hasn't latched on. It really would. I feel like you'd be all you're. It's in the Shark Tank lane. Shauna, do you ever watch Dancing with the Stars? You know, I don't usually, but we're pretty into the Cubs player that's on there, Grandpa Rossi. Oh, yeah. Um, And we love Simone Biles. So I am generally not like I've never watched it before, but we watch uh, Grandpa Rossi and Simone every time. Simone Biles has to win, right? Like she's basically a professional athlete dancer already like I, I was watching a clip last night of, of you know of first of Ross and then of, of her and I was like I, this feels like sort of an unfair advantage right? right like definitely she'll win but it's cool to see everyone else yeah <laughs> right, like she's spectacular right so there and he's like you can see his lips moving when he counts right yeah. <laughs> and I love him I'm totally a fan right. we're like cheering the whole time wearing our Cubs yeah. hats but right. like it's yeah. like yeah. one, two, three. Uh, 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 so at least, at least two of the competitors are outspoken Christians. So Simone Biles and uh, and Mr. T. He's well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and so on two different occasions, the celebrity dancing competition has played overtly Christian songs as part of the show. So last week when uh, Simone Biles danced, to, uh, she danced at Chris Tomlin's Good Good Father, which drew the attention of the worship artist who tweeted to her. Uh, I just heard what you did on uh, dancing tonight. Well done. You're a champion in so many ways. Much love. And uh, another performance, a full gospel choir was brought out as Mr. T danced to a worshipful rendition of Amazing Grace. My, oh. I, I need to see. I haven't seen that, but my I, life is not complete until I see Mr. T dance to uh, Amazing Grace. Did you see it? I mean, you saw. Have you watched Simone do that? I have not seen it, but um, Simone was at our church a couple weeks ago. Neat. And she was absolutely phenomenal. Super articulate and funny and charming. I mean, we were like... And, and and our entire church was overrun by tiny gymnasts, like oh, yeah. millions of them. <laughs> oh yeah, there Simone were like Biles sparkly leotards oh. everywhere. Oh yeah, our girls are like in love with her because she's just yeah. totally because like she is an older woman, but she kind of looks like she could be. You could kind of hang with her if you were five, like. And they're kind of like, okay, I could be Simone Biles, but also when then you watch her flip around and you realize oh, she's like a singular <laughs> talent in the world ever. Yeah. There are these amazing pictures of her and she's not that tall, but she's a lot taller than the legion of tiny gymnasts. Yeah. So it's like her and then like 500 brightly colored leotard little girls. And she's yeah. like, ah, <laughs> she was she, a very good sport. She's got a great adoption story too. She's she awesome. Does. I love her. In case you missed it, uh, previously unheard faith inspired Prince songs are being released. Uh, a year after his death, a collection of, quote, undiscovered studio recordings from Prince are coming out. The EP is called Deliverance, and it features six songs, some of which, like the title track, seem to have spiritual implications. So, like, the lyrics for the song Deliverance read, uh, this is not religion, but common sense. It's time for you to get down, 
get down, get off the fence, and who got the blues, you can ease the pain of a few until God intervenes. Ain't nothing, nothing man can do. Uh, Prince was a devout Jehovah's Witness, uh, but seems to be a fan of Christian music as well. He even released his own uh, cover of Nicole Nordman's What If. Here's a clip of the new Prince song. You got to understand Interestingly, he also recorded that sitting on Stephen Colbert's couch. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah I was going to say, and, and weirdly, uh, the video is just Mr. T ballroom dance. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. It's been oh. hidden all these years. Oh, man. His album Purple Rain, R-E-I-G-N. Oh, no. Hey, hey, hey. I'm doing the best I can. You didn't give me an hour to prep for this joke. I had real time. Dad joke. Dad joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In case you missed it this week, Katy Perry, uh, big Katy Perry news. Uh, She said that when she was growing up, Amy Grant was her Madonna. Who among us would not agree with that statement? <laughs> I was going to say, she was so in the culture that Amy Grant was her, but the, the biggest star in the world to her was Amy Grant. So she appears on the cover of Vogue. Uh, she's getting ready to release a new album. And uh, in the interview, talked extensively about growing up in the church. As uh, some old Christian music fans will remember, uh, Katy Perry was uh, once released a Christian pop album under yes. the name Katy Hudson. Yes. And she dated Matt Thiessen from Reliant K. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's the wow. it, was the, it was in the POD uh, video, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, Cable that's right. Death. So in the article, you didn't know all this? No. Katie Hudson, man. I mean, I knew that she was a Christian artist at one point. I just didn't realize that she was that uh, connected. Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. Yeah. She was, I mean, she had to have been at a Rock the Universe or something, right? Yeah, of, co- she, oh, of course. Yeah, oh, she yeah. was She was a Christian pop star when I was in Nashville working for Christian music magazines. Yeah. So Katie Hudson was a big deal. Was Madonna oh, yeah. your Madonna, Shauna, or was it Amy Grant still? Well, I would say Janet Jackson was my Madonna. Oh, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. That's a great, she's (laughs) the best. (laughs) Sean is more militaristic. She likes her dancing with like a lot of edge. Yeah, she's the coolest. Well, because I was was a dancer growing up. So I cared about music videos that had dancing in them. That was like my jam. Um, So Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation, start to finish. Every word, every step. Wow. Yeah. Every wow. step. Still do it. Yeah. I know you could totally really? still do <laughs> it. And then at that song, uh, odd, odd thing, when we get Eve's hair braided, anywhere we go, you can just ask for the poetic justice. And that's like its own style that totally they're like, oh, yeah, because it's Janet Jackson and poetic justice. Yeah. They'll just do her braids. But I'm like, so iconic. Really? Janet Jackson. Uh, so Katie <laughs> said in the interview, Amy Grant was our Madonna. We knew about Madonna and Marilyn Manson and my family because we picketed their concerts. Oh. Um, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> she says she's now friends with Marilyn Manson, though she used to hand out evangelism tracks at his concerts. Uh, her parents were pastors, and she says, uh, quote, my house was church on Sunday morning, church on Sunday night, church on Wednesday evening. You don't celebrate Halloween, and Jesus gives you your Christmas presents. Um, Perry says she no longer considers herself a Christian, uh, but regularly prays to a higher power. Uh, well, in case you missed it, lastly, uh, the family of uh, the Facebook Live shooting victim turned a television interview in an, into an opportunity to talk about faith and forgiveness. Um, tragic story this week, but uh, was, kind of a silver lining. Yeah, it was uh, really awful. It was really it was awful. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, well, days after Robert Goodwin Sr. was murdered in a random shooting broadcast on a Facebook Live video, several of his adult children appeared on an interview with CNN's Anderson Cooper. 
Uh, at the time of this interview, the manhunt was still underway for the shooter, though days later he took his own life. Uh, the victim was a 74-year-old father of nine and grandfather of 14. During the interview, instead of expressing outrage, his family said that Godwin raised him to know the love of God and express sympathy and even forgiveness for the killer. Here's the powerful clip. The thing that I would take away the most from my father is he taught us about God, how to fear God, how to love God, and how to forgive. And each one of us forgive the killer, the murderer. You do. We we want to wrap our arms around him. We absolutely do. We don't... I honestly can say right now that I hold no animosity in my heart against this man because I know that he's a sick individual. I know that, you know, because of his sickness, whatever evil overtook him that caused him to do this to my dad is not him. It, It wouldn't be something he would typically do. And I promise you, I could not do that if I did not know God, if I didn't know him as my God and my Savior. I could not forgive that man. And I feel no animosity against him at all. I actually, I feel sadness in my heart for this man. I do. I feel real sad. All of us. And we want to, you know, we lost our dad, but this mother lost her son, um, lost her children. His children lost their dad. That's incredible, Tanya, that that, you're thinking about that, even in your time of grief, that you're thinking about them. Mm. I cannot imagine having the presence. That, that is days after. Yeah, I before we, they even knew how it would conclude. I mean, to have that in the midst of the storm. I, can't, I mean, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine that. Man. What a powerful, what a, I mean, not, just a, a display of faith. And for, it's unimaginable. Like, it, it makes you think about, wow, you know, I think my faith is pretty strong. But these people are on TV days after the whole nation witnessed this just insane terrible sick act of violence and are able to make it a testament about forgiveness it's it was just a a sobering moment before before the show jesse gave me a heads up he said hey in case you missed it you might want to end with uh the facebook uh you know you know the anderson cooper clip uh and now i see why it'd be a little tough to go into a little mr t dancing bit right after that one if this was like in the middle of the list it's weird because that's like where my mind was going but yeah i understand we're not (laughs) yeah yeah okay makes sense Wow. Well, on that note, that'll do it for In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. You come back truth in the worst way Through the dirty lens of a broken smile And I swear I'm not a pretender Sometimes it's love who's the biggest liar So I keep on damning the devil And you'll keep on saying it's alright Oh, glory to Bishop Briggs. The song is Wild Horses. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Lewis the Child with Love is Alive featuring Elohim. Wow. I think God was featured on that track. Congratulations. <laughs> so, it's a huge total. feature. Yeah. Big, Not actually a big, child. It's I a assume. big breakout hit for Yahweh. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and children, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Lewis the Child. Yeah. All right. It's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? 
All right, so there is any any day now, any moment now, if you're listening to this, it might have already happened, about to be a new record for the most retweeted tweet of all time. Uh, is it going to happen? Any guesses? Oh, yeah. oh, know I know about this, but I didn't know it was actually going to get there. Oh, because, I didn't think it was even possible. Because the most retweeted uh, tweet of all time is the Ellen Oscar one, oh, right? Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. right. And, and I heard when this one was getting in the, the realm, it wasn't even anywhere close. I heard she went on the offensive yeah. on her show that, was like, we're not going to let this get overtaken. Yeah, no way. And, and not only that, she had Bradley Cooper, the yeah. man who, who snapped the, okay. So what is so, the, so the Oscar selfie that was, that was when Ellen was hosting the Oscars, it, it featured celebrities as Ellen said on her show, uh, Lupita Nyong'o's little brother who no one even knows, uh, Jennifer <laughs> Lawrence, Brad Pitt, all these celebrities, Meryl Streep and Bradley Cooper snapped a selfie at the Oscars, uh, after, after, after Ellen promoted it on the show, it became the most retweeted uh, tweet of all time. Now, earlier this week, when it when this th- th- that title was being threatened by this t- other tweet that we'll get to, she actually had Bradley Cooper himself, the man who t- who took the image, come on and plead with her to fans to not let them lose the title. D- d- uh, does everyone know what this tweet is already? No. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. don't. <gasps> Shauna, you're going to love this. Shauna and Chandler, any quick guesses of what could possibly threaten arguably <laughs> the most famous people in the world are about to be taken down by what do you think it is? If I get one guess from each of you. I, I have no idea. I, I'm I'm going with the giraffe giving birth. Ooh, oh, that's, that's a good guess. guess. That is a good guess. Somebody has <laughs> their finger <laughs> right on the... Uh, yeah. in pop culture right very it is, not, it is not the giraffe giving birth but that oh. was a cultural phenomenon for people who didn't know there was a for for weeks people were waiting watching these live social media who would uh, ever videos. want to see that I woke up oh. on Saturday morning and like my entire Facebook feed was people posting the the footage of God, uh, April the giraffe giving birth I'm like no thanks the yeah. the most retweeted tweet of all time originates from a teenager named Carter Wilson who, who no jokingly one knows. <laughs> Nobody knows this kid. Yeah, nobody. At the time, he had uh, about 100 followers or so. Uh, And uh, as we reported a few weeks ago, the Wendy's, the social media feed, particularly the Twitter feed of Wendy's, the fast food chain, uh, has uh, for weeks now been sarcastically replying to people uh, when they get sent stuff just to kind of get some publicity and it's a really counterintuitive social media uh, strategy. So instead of like, you know, the, the PR friendly stuff, they're being sarcastic to everyone. So Carter Wilkerson tweeted at Wendy's, how many retweets do I need to get free chicken nuggets for a year? Uh, jokingly, the Wendy's Twitter uh, handle said, if you get 18 million, you'll get uh, free chicken nuggets no, for a year. No, they didn't even say no, that. The previous just, record. They holder. just said 18 million. 18 million. Yeah, yeah. Real, all caps. yeah 18 they wrote it all caps. Real dry. Yeah. So the previous record holder, uh, uh, the Ellen tweet, uh, was 3.3 million retweets. So 18 million seems completely <laughs> right. uh, unattainable. Uh, so Carter, in reply, screenshotted the interaction and tweeted, all caps, please help me. A man needs his nugs. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Which was so funny. <laughs> all caps. Please help me. A man needs his nugs. 
Uh, since then, Carter <laughs> Carter has been propelled into viral superstardom because he is moments away from overcoming, uh, overtaking Ellen to have the most retweeted tweet of all time. It's unlikely he'll get 18 million. I don't even know at this point the way that Twitter's going if there's even 18 million active Twitter users. Yeah. But <laughs> he will. He he almost certainly will will overtake Ellen. Now, uh, Ellen felt so threatened that she had Carter on his show. Uh, uh, just on Tuesday, right before we recorded, and pleaded with him to make a deal on TV that anytime someone that he asked that any time someone retweet his Wendy's tweet, that they also go and retweet the Ellen selfie so that they can maintain the title. It doesn't look like that was going to happen, but she gave him a, a, a giant 4K TV and said that if he doesn't make this deal, she will go to his house and take it back. <laughs> I'm hoping Carter takes the title because it's... some. I love what it says about American pop culture. If it's not a, a selfie of like super popular Hollywood celebrities that get this title, but it's a, some rando teenager that said, please help me. A man needs his nugs. <laughs> I love what that says about culture. Ignore what Ellen says. Retweet Carter Wilkerson and make a statement about what, all that is good and right about pop culture in America. <laughs> I, lo- I love Ellen. All right. What do you have, Eddie? Oh, man. Serious slice today. So we all know that I love. Well, maybe I haven't talked about this on the show, but like I really love Lady Gaga's music. What? Oh yeah, like it's really good. Have we talked about this no. at all? <laughs> well, you, you don't watch Dancing with the Stars. That's surprising. I know. That's what I'm you saying. Know. It's right. <laughs> right. It's right in my wheelhouse. I feel like that Venn diagram is yeah. Well, Lady Gaga, like that song, uh, Telephone. Have you guys ever heard that song? Mm-hmm. Oh man, that yes. is my that is my wedding jam. If you get that on at about the third quarter of a wedding, you can't keep me off the dance floor. This body oh, was made that. to move to that song. Very few songs get me going like that song. Amazing uh, Grace with a big choir. I heard does too. Oh, praise yeah. him. Um, so, but one thing I love about Lady Gaga is that she has been an outspoken. Uh, activist for um, mental health uh, mental health issues. She came out a few years ago and shared that after just um, I'm parsing my words here because I know we have younger folks listening. But after just some serious abuse as a young woman, she had PTSD and has struggled her whole life with PTSD. Hmm. And she kind of shattered uh, some people's preconceived notions about her by being really upfront about what having a a mental health issue has done in her life. Since that time, she has been just a great spokesperson, both for, uh, you know, she famously did a bunch of work with Joe Biden about campus security and keeping um, young women safe. And also she has begun to speak out with other folks about um, breaking the stigma of mental health issues. So this week, a video was released of her and Prince William chatting. And Prince William has said, actually, that in his late 20s, he went through a lot of counseling because he was in a bunch of turmoil. And she has kind of sparked other people who have higher profiles that you may not hear kind of this dimension of their life start to speak up and say, like, yes, I have had and have mental health issues and I'm living and thriving and struggling. And she started this great conversation. So here's a bit of the clip of her doing sort of a um, set up sticky FaceTime with Prince William, but it was a good conversation. The videos with Annie and Joe, the beautiful films that you've made with the Heads Together campaign, they told beautiful stories and it reminded me how much my mental health changing changed my life. 
Uh, you're really kind to say so. I mean, Harry, Catherine, and I really felt this was such an important area that throughout all our charitable work, whether it was ve veterans, um, homelessness, addiction, um, most of it seemed to stem back to mental health issues. And, you know, I read your, your open letter you wrote the other day, and I thought it was incredibly moving and very brave of you to write um, down, you know, such personal feelings. And I, I wanted to ask you very much uh, what you, what, how you found speaking out and how it made you feel. It made me very nervous at first. For me, waking up every day and feeling sad and going on stage is something that um, is very hard to describe. There's a lot of shame attached to mental illness. You feel like something's wrong with you. And in my life, I go, oh my goodness, look at all these beautiful, wonderful things that I have and I should be so happy. But you can't help it if in the morning when you wake up, you are so tired, you are so sad, you are so full of um, anxiety and the shakes that you can barely think. But it was like saying, uh, this is a part of me and that's okay. And they kind of went on to talk about how they are going to be working together to form this new initiative called, I think, like Heads Together, but basically just raising awareness, raising conversations and trying to destigmatize the idea that mental health issues are pervasive. So I was just grateful for this story. And also uh, people like to write love on her arms and folks that are coming out and speaking really publicly about this. So yay for Lady Gaga. I think that's so, so important. I love what they're doing. It was like when we had Jamie on, I guess it was like two, three weeks ago. Um, where he kind of mentioned if, you know, someone has like a broken arm, there's not a stigma about getting that, you know, treated. And, you know, people are starting to recognize mental health in the same way. And I think whether it's like celebrities or whether it's people like, you know, Jamie and the things that he's doing, anything that can further destigmatize it is really a positive thing. There was a study that came out this week that, um, uh, the rates of depression anxi anxiety uh, has never been higher among American uh, adults. And there's like a mm. lot of different factors that they're looking into. But uh, mental health is becoming an increasingly important issue to address. And I think, yeah, anything that can destigmatize it, it's a very positive thing. But I think specifically when you and I know Prince Harry has been doing some work on this as well. But yeah. if you you know, there's like this kind of totally outside of logic idea that if you experience a trauma, but, but, but you're a prince and everything else in your life is, you know, kind of spectacular and, and well cushioned that it shouldn't affect you in some, that if your life is public and special in some way, it shouldn't affect you. Uh, and I think they, those two sons went through an incredibly damaging, traumatic experience, losing mm -hmm. their mom. And so to, to get to talk about that and to say, even though there are other things in my life that are great, I still experienced a trauma and it's still worth, um, I, it's still okay for me to get help. It's still okay for me, um, to ask for help and to ask for tools. And I think that's a really important conversation. Yeah. And I think they're also really wise to say like for so many people, there isn't even trauma attached. It's just, you are stuck in the woods and you cannot seem to find your way out. And, um, um, they give some great resources and I would be remiss if I did not say like there are people listening to the show right now who very likely are feeling like I have something happening that I cannot seem to, you know, shake loose on my own. And I would say like go to the uh, to write love arm, write love on her arms website or NAMI and there are great resources there or talk to somebody that you trust and know because it really is like pervasive and preventable. But the worst thing that can happen is if we just lock up and hold it inside and think that it's helpful that we 
you know, we're too embarrassed to talk about it because you've got to, you got to get help and there is help uh, available. And I'm glad Lady Gaga is talking about that. And I'm glad that she wrote the song Telephone because it is so good. Seems like not the appropriate end, but I still really love I that was, song. I, well, <laughs> I was going to end your segment with like playing Poker Face or something. No, no. I was queuing it up. And, <laughs> then, and then I literally, you guys got all touching and I just, I just shut down well, iTunes. I think it's still appropriate. I'm, because... sure, we'll, I'm sure we'll find, <laughs> we'll find a place no for it in the show. No more Poker Faces. That's the moral Eddie of that is, story. Eddie right now is getting disinvited to weddings from friends that are hearing this because they don't want to hear that song played at their Oh, time. man. That is my jam. Oh, man. All right. What do you have, Shauna? Okay. In a completely, totally different vein, um, you know how passionate I am about all things food and drink. Um, and so there is a new product that I want to tell you about, and it's it's getting mixed reviews, and I have mixed feelings about it. So um, it is called, I'm, I'm having trouble pronouncing it, Clerkf. Oh, I, think, I think what this person wants me to call it is clear coffee, but it's spelled without the vowels. Oh, yeah. that's okay. so hot right now. I, uh, it was yeah. uh, also the name of a shelf I bought at Ikea last weekend. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I got that on a vanity plate. <laughs> There's umlauts all over it. <laughs> and you know how I feel about abbreviations, about slang, about syntax as kind of a lost and treasured part of our culture. So clear coffee is not really my jam you don't like a briefs <laughs> really totes um so I'm, so I'm struggling right out of the gate with the name but i'm going to push through because i think it's an interesting idea here so apparently some people want to drink a lot of coffee but they apparently don't because it discolors their teeth i'm just going to tell you right now i have never even considered that i'm just like like no as much as possible, put it in my mouth. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I drink as much coffee as Jesse eats chicken nuggets and my teeth are white and lovely. <laughs> I don't understand, but keep going. But well, apparently yeah. this is a thing. People want to drink more coffee and they cannot because it discolors their teeth. And so there are two brothers who have developed what I'm just going to say for my own mental health, uh, clear coffee. Yeah. Crystal That's coffee. not how it's spelled, but I'm going to say it that way because it makes me <laughs> yeah. feel better about clear a lot of things. So it's, yeah. <laughs> and it is world's first colorless coffee drink. Okay. Mm. Okay. So picture a bottle of cold brew, okay. but then make it like the color of the white Gatorade. Oh, sort of. So it's cloudy like white. blast sort of. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like a, it's a, it's like if you took the white Gatorade and mixed it with a little bit of lemonade and a little bit of water. So, mm. so it's not clear. There's still the cloudy thing making it opaque, but they've turned it white instead of it's the natural. It's definitely whitish, yellowish toward clear mm. as opposed to like black. That okay. actually yeah, seems so, really so, nice. so it's clear enough that like, like in a normal cup of coffee, like let's say for some reason there was like a penny or like a quarter sitting at the bottom of the mug. You wouldn't be able to see it with, with clear coffee. I don't know why I did it in that. Yeah, that was really weird when I was just trying to avoid the vowels. Yeah. But you would be able, it's clear enough where you could like see through the liquid. So you're saying, yes. okay, yes. so you could see the quarter that you were about to choke on as, okay. Yeah, like, it. Yeah. You're on a totally different road. Why is there change in your coffee yeah, exactly. Cup? Is this a problem? I was just trying to think of like an analogy. I was like, this is a very weird analogy. And uh, the reason 
clear coffee is helpful is so that you stop swallowing the coins. Yeah. That yeah. Someone's this is a safety issue. Cup. It has nothing to do with teeth color. I forget sometimes yeah. that we have a full on adult 11 year old on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys, I swallowed seven quarters this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's one of the things about Dana being gone is she cannot keep the coins out of your yeah. stomach. Well, yeah. Dana's been trying to tell you to cut back on the coffee because you're too wired and you're up all the time. So she started yeah. putting coins in it to uh, deter you. Dana, I swallowed yeah. another penny. <laughs> yes. Wait till you get to four pennies and then go to the also, hospital. Also, there's a pebble up my nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so does it taste the same? Reviews. Okay. okay. So, okay. so, so one reviewer reports that the taste is similar to a potent cold brew. So that's positive, right? right. Potent cold brew. Okay, that's not bad. The other reviewer reviewer says, actually, the flavor is more like what happens. If you forget to wash the coffee filter out, add more water to get the very last dregs of flavor out of the wet beans, and then for some reason, drink that. Oh. And put a bunch of coins in it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm weirded out by things not being the color that they should be like coffee like and i i realize even if it tasted exactly the same it would be just hard to drink that it should not be clear and i don't know why i can't get past just the visual of it yeah yeah they they actually say like there have been all these you know studies and whatever and um they say in culinary whatever circles you know you eat with your eyes first Mm -hmm. and that people scientifically have a uh there are foods that they like in other settings but if they look wrong they don't like the taste so there is like a your eyes and your taste buds are connected in that way and so when something doesn't look the way we expect it to we also don't enjoy the taste as much and so i i was feeling that same thing eddie like i see the idea of this and i do not want to drink a yellow arctic snow that tastes like a potent cold brew that's not working for me right right, now right right. it's like crystal pepsi it's just too weird i get i get the novelty but the staining the teeth element, I think, is is pretty weak. I'm not going to invest in this. I'm out. Yeah, it, it, I'm out. It's funny. I was going to say, Eddie, I'm glad you said it just like you're a shark. Because what I thought of, when I, it's like on Shark Tank, when they're solving a problem no one has. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, finally, a, a way that, you know, my uh, underwear doesn't get all wrinkled in the dryer. That's not an issue for anyone, man. You didn't need to it invest $100,000. Yeah. of your parents money to fix it yeah. right and also i think for people that are nervous about the coffee staining the teeth it's just like brush your teeth midday right like oh. you can just keep brushing your teeth yeah i think trident also has right. little whitening trident ones and you can just kind of jump on that after i feel your like there coffee. are many many options yeah. before clear coffee that's true well, the, the other thing yeah i'm with the, the the like things that aren't the right color like the you know like that big like rainbow bagel craze like i don't want oh, fluorescent yikes. bagels man yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no. i mean it looks cool but i mean i'm not, I'm not decorating with them <laughs> well there you go well, that was good interesting wide range of topics on our on our slices segment this week we did we did yeah nice. with we the whole game of emotions yeah we had chicken yeah. nuggets and retweets and lady gaga and mental health and crystal pepsi weird cloudy water yeah yeah <laughs> all right stay tuned up next lee strobel joins us this would got for life
listening to Lee Kendrick Strobel. Lamar. Oh, <laughs> the song is God. It's from his new album. Uh, Darn it. His new album, Darn It. <laughs> I listened to that whole album this morning. It is. Uh, I listened to the edited version. That's the official stance. Can, can I say, I told oh, Chandler this I guess last, me too then. <laughs> last week, I went to go listen to the podcast early Friday morning, and the night before, at midnight, the new yeah. Kendrick yeah. album had come out. Yeah. So early that morning, I was listening to it like on Spotify or whatever. So I, I don't know, like it, for some reason, when I opened the podcast file to listen to it, to listen to the, the new episode of the podcast, Spotify started playing, and it was right in the middle of one of the Kendrick songs that I was listening to earlier. And all I could think is, how did Cameron and Chandler put so much profanity into the intro song <laughs> yeah. to the podcast? Like, how did they both miss this? That is like, shocking. It's like Jeremiah's back. I didn't realize it was like playing on my computer. I was like, this is, I do, I, I seriously, it baffles me. That Spotify, this is also, intro. Spotify also has the edited version of the Kendrick album as an option, Jesse. <laughs> I didn't realize, I didn't realize it at the time. At I any, was just a anytime there's an that explicit, you would start our podcast. Anytime there's an explicit album in Spotify, if a clean version was made at the bottom of the album, it says one more release available and you click that and then the clean one pops up just oh. FYI. Little, little, but is there a way to go tip. the other direction that if I accidentally get the clean one, I go back to the one I want? <laughs> Probably. Right, a whole bunch of swears back in. Yeah, yeah. If anything's going to get me running on the treadmill, I got I to have swears. an E next to every single song. Well, this week's feature interview is brought to you by Blue Apron. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. Thankfully, for less than 10 bucks a meal, Blue Apron delivers delicious, quality food, courtesy of over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S. right to your door, supporting a more sustainable food system and setting the highest standards for ingredients. It's no wonder they're the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. I've been watching some documentaries lately about like the farm to table importance and no industrial farming. Uh, I'll tell you this, not uh, included in this sort of a movement is Wendy's Nuggets. That is the definition (laughs) of industrial farming, (laughs) making chicken meat paste and balling it up and selling to Jesse for 10 so it's literally for dimes that I fished out of coffee. So uh, some of the meals available in April from Blue Apron include spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and ricotta salad. Oh my! Uh, yes. Sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot, and ginger fried rice. This is like Shauna's new podcast. Uh, Parmesan crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccoli, oh, yes. and uh, baby broccoli and uh, fontina paninis with hard boiled egg and arugula salad. Baby broccoli is my rapper name. Oh. I, I, camera, I really need to get one because things are getting so desperate. Here, I ate a cinnamon scented decorative broom <laughs> for breakfast. That's what, I, that's what I ate for breakfast. At this point, your youngest kid, I don't know how old she is, but she's basically just eating what's around. Just yeah. finding what Bots, you can. Baby wipes, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we cooked, we literally cooked a box this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash relevant. You love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash relevant. Blue Apron, better way to cook. Lee Strobel is a best-selling writer, apologist, and journalist best known for his book, The Case for Christ, which offers a scholarly and investigative examination of the gospel. The book was recently adapted into a feature film, which is in theaters now, and has drawn largely positive reviews from audiences and mainstream critics. 
We recently spoke to Strobel about the real story behind the movie and how his real-life investigation led him to faith. Here is Lee Strobel. What's the story of, of your book, Case for Christ, becoming a movie? Well, you know, the book came out back in 1998, so it's been around for quite a while. And all of a sudden, in the, out of the blue, I got a phone call about a year ago from Pure Flix. Um, I had been in their movie, God's Not Dead 2. I played, a, played myself as an expert witness in a court case, and so I got to know them a bit. And uh, they became intrigued with the idea of taking the book uh, and making a film out of it, not a documentary, but a love story, uh, and a story about a father and a son, and a story about big city journalism, but also the story of a spiritual journey. And um, so, you know, I thought, uh, that sounds like a good idea, because some people won't read a book, some people won't go to church, but they'll go to a movie. So um, uh, we agreed, but I insisted in a contract that uh, the movie be written by Brian Bird. Uh, Brian is a friend of mine. He's uh, written 17 movies, great Christian guy. And uh, I knew that Brian would be able to sensitively and accurately and uh, tell our story. So Leslie and I did a mind dump, so to speak, with, uh, with Brian. I spent uh, many days with him uh, talking about our life, our relationship, and so forth. And um, uh, he created an, uh, an amazing script. You know, it's not easy to take a two-year journey and compress it into a three-act movie over 90 minutes uh, you know there's there's some time shifting that has to go on you have to you know consolidate some characters at some points and but he he really has kept the story um true to what occurred and um um uh, really a compelling um and entertaining uh, film so uh, that, that was how it started. It, we didn't initiate it, but um, thought, you know what, if we can reach a new audience with this message, that uh, was worth it. What kind of research, or how would you describe the research you did in terms of getting past that um you know, publisher bias, just this thing and that thing. Yeah, what, what were the sure. ultimate sources you were you were digging into? Sure. Well, you know, to me, the you know, you can get a PhD to tell you anything. Uh, and as a journalist, I knew that I could find anybody to tell me anything if I wanted to find something that I wanted to find. Sure. Um, but I I pursued the evidence that made sense to me. Um, yes, of course, I read the other literature, and that's why I quote it and cite it and, and ask questions about it. But my approach was, you know, I want to pose those questions to these um, um, uh, the, these scholars and see, can they give me cogent answers that make sense? And then I leave it to the reader to conclude uh, whether they do or not. Was there a particular argument that was, um, I guess, particularly influential on your journey? Uh, I mean, obviously, you deal heavily with like historicity and these kind of things. Was, was there a, like an aha moment, or was it like a, a tidal wave of sorts? You know, it, 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 mostly it was a cumulative case. It was, um, you know, um, not just the historical evidence, the evidence of cosmology and physics and biochemistry and genetics and human consciousness, I think, pointed in the direction of a creator. 
and then the evidence of history uh, to me pointed toward Jesus having lived, having made these extraordinary claims about himself and then backing that up by returning from the dead. And it was really the resurrection that clinched it for me. Um, because, you know, like Paul, I, I realized that, uh, you know, if, if this can be falsified, then the whole faith falls apart. Um, so it was the cumulative case for the resurrection that I think was the linchpin for me. Um, you know, when I looked at, uh, you know, did Jesus live? Um, you know, I can find a half a dozen scholars, uh, none of them at any particularly great schools, but I can find a half a dozen scholars who, who will say Jesus never lived. You know, look at the evidence. Come on. Um, he clearly lived. Did he die? Well, not only do you have multiple sources in the New Testament, but you got five ancient sources outside the New Testament. Even Gerd Ludeman, the atheist New Testament scholar, says that Jesus' death by crucifixion is indisputable. So yes, he died. But then, did he return from the dead? Well, we've got nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament uh, confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, including a source that has been dated back by scholars to within months of the death of Jesus. So when I looked at the, you know, the first biographies of Alexander the Great by Arian and Plutarch, written 400 years after his life, and they're generally considered reliable. Uh, but then I look at, at this um, ancient report of the resurrection, uh, mentioning specific eyewitnesses and groups of eyewitnesses that's been dated back to within months of the death of Jesus. And I go, you know, that, that's like a newsflash from ancient history. That, that's like a, um, you know, that's like a scoop by, you know, for a reporter. Back, uh, that's, that's, a, that's good stuff. So, uh, and, you know, the, the empty tomb that even the opponents of Jesus implicitly conceded that the tomb was empty. So uh, it was really the resurrection um, and the sources inside and outside the New Testament that I just found um, compelling that um, he not only claimed to be divine, but he backed that up by returning from the dead. And that was really the focus of the movie that's that's why we tried to you know gosh in a 90 minute movie you can only uh, you know examine so much stuff so um and we went down the path of the resurrection uh, and because it is fundamental it is critical it is the linchpin uh, of the christian faith that was lee strobel stay tuned up next coin
You're listening to, for the first time ever coming out of my mouth, Harry Styles. That guy rules. The song is Sign of the Times. He he <laughs> performed on SNL this last weekend, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching it, and I literally sighed with like just disgust and disappointment, and I went, oh no. But we, I like a Harry Styles song. But this is all, we're having a Justin Timberlake moment again, <laughs> right, where yeah. you just realize, oh, this guy's actually got chops. Hey, and I, I, I mean, this straight, I mean, straight Bowie, but I mean, yes. it, it, it was phenomenal. I loved it. Yeah. There you go. Well, he has a new it album coming out. It was fantastic, and my husband had the same thing. He was like, wait a minute, what is happening to me right now? Oh, and no. I am loving everything about this performance. Yeah, yeah it's great. Gosh, oh. he's, and gosh, he's charming. I just and resigned <laughs> myself to the fact, oh, 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 this man. guy is cool. I like uh, him. Fine. Well, they, they, he al- I almost put him in... We we had a pact in case you missed it, but he said something really interesting in like uh, uh, an interview this week that, yeah. you know, these people that were saying basically like, oh, it's only like young girls who like your music and, and using that to kind of like throw shade. And he turned it around in like the best way possible, saying like, what makes you think that they have worse taste than some 30 year old hipster guy? He said, young girls like the Beatles. You're going to tell me they're not serious. How can you not say young girls don't get it? They are our future our future doctors lawyers mothers presidents and they're the ones who are going to keep the the world going well that's it i love harry styles (laughs) (laughs) we're all fans right (laughs) that was the best Uh, what a uh, great response yeah yeah Yeah. anyway i need to find the explicit version of that song (laughs) (laughs) i hate that it's so clean cut uh the highly anticipated follow-up to coins self-titled album drops today and we recently caught up with the band's frontman chase lawrence about the inspiration for uh how will you know if you never try uh we talk about what it's like following up an acclaimed debut album and we hear some of the album's highlight tracks here is coin mostly self-produced this time and for the last record we um we worked with a producer jay joyce um who's a very awesome producer and like really we learned a lot from him it was like kind of like that classic rock star experience that you see in like movies and um like where you like lock yourself in a studio for five weeks but this process um even from writing on like we co-wrote a lot for this album so even from the creative writing standpoint it was different and then we like locked ourselves in a cabin for like a couple for like a couple weeks and wrote a bunch of songs and i think the biggest thing the biggest thing there's a lot of there's a lot of factors really contributing to this but we wrote um for a year straight pretty much and wrote over 100 songs and as for the first album we kind of had like just our songs to date which were like we had like 11 songs to, to like that we'd written or like i guess this is an album and this time we were able to really it really carefully select, you know, the next, the next like uh, twelve songs and make it like uh, the next real chapter of what we want to create. These 12 songs really, I think, work together as an album and not just like a collection of songs we wrote in a year. And we, um, thematically, and uh, sound-wise and everything, but yeah, 
but creatively we we're much we are much more hands-on than we ever have been in the past so there's a lot there's a lot of factors uh, i think it's overall a, just a very very different process and not a different band like we're still this we're still the same band we still have the same melodic instinct and same creative instinct but like i think you'll hear us even more now because we were able to be so hands-on with it How do you think your sound evolved in the in the time between the two projects, though? I mean, it, there's always that tension, right, between like maintaining the sound that people were so attracted to, and then trying to push your art forward, etc. How, how do you think that went? I think it almost got, for lack of a better word, dumber. Um, we, in a way, <clears throat> we, uh, we, I, I mean, I overthink every tendency to overthink everything. I think we all do in the band to some some extent, but I really do, and. Um, I, because we co-wrote with so many we wrote with a lot of pop writers from the start for this album like in a lot, Joe, Joe and I the guitarist and I spent three months in LA just writing every day with, with like top 40 pop writers and like you know we wrote hundreds of songs and not all of them are great are great songs um, some of them were not us they were like like we were you know we obviously spent the time and try, tried to explore those ideas and like tried to figure out if they really resonated with us we wrote I, some songs that were like like too way too like pop for us um but i think that we are much more from a lyrical standpoint these songs are so much more direct than they whereas on the first album there were a lot of things that were like shrouded in metaphors and like and i think i just graduated from college and i think i'd written too, one too many english papers <laughs> and um and i'm just um i looked back at the lyrics that i, I loved from like talking heads the ramones new wave punk these punk bands and like they're so they're so direct but still not and not cheesy and um and we we really learned how to hone that in uh in a year there there is kind of this melancholic um lining around around this album but it's at the same time still you yeah, know like dark would you say dark it's not dark because you know if you took one sound to it you would one listen to it and like um just like just a glance basically you would say it was shimmery summery sounding maybe but you know, if you really take time with it, you, I think you'll upon like several listens, there's depth, um, depth even to the even to the sounds and the production, and um, I think you can just tell that we spent a lot more time figuring out exactly what we wanted, and we didn't just go with the first take. And um, it's definitely a studio album, and we're not we're not afraid of it this time, and definitely a pop album. We were so scared in the first album of being too pop for alternative or too alternative for pop and we just ended up making this thing right in the middle and um, and it was almost became ironically the cover was white so it's like it almost became vanilla and it's vanilla is not a bad thing it's my favorite flavor of ice cream but um but you know it, there comes down to a point where you have to be definitive and um you know you want the listener to to um to see hear something or see something and say yes or no because if you just get it like a maybe then like 
why are they ever going to come back to it? And so we definitely went this time into this process and made sure that it was going to be definitively yes for us and not just like something we were eh, on the middle of. And I think that's why this album took so much time and so much finessing. That was Coin. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. Are you a holy troublemaker? Jesus did not say, blessed are the comfortable. He announced that peacemakers and the persecuted are blessed. Holy troublemakers are people who are compelled to live a life worthy of pushback, a life worthy of persecution. Words from the Hill is an invitation to collude with this counterintuitive Jesus in his upside down message of the Beatitudes. The book is accompanied by a film and album featuring Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, and other great artists. Go to thebeatitudesproject.com to get started. You're listening to Little Dragon. The song is Celebrate featuring AG. I like that song. All right. It's time for your feedback. Uh, before we get into feedback, we usually have our corrections and apologies. Uh, apparently last week, uh, we we basically butchered uh, the plot line of Lost. So, oh, well. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't seen it in like five years. <laughs> You're not supposed to remember all the little intricate details. So, just to be clear, that is neither a correction nor an apology. Yes. <laughs> and actually, I'd like to, <laughs> it's an acknowledgement that people called us out. Yeah. I'd yeah. like to say, actually, more specifically to my friends, Michael and Drew. Don't care. Not apologizing. <laughs> Love you guys. I'm not going to say a word about it. My favorite thing is that I, you know, if you see a retweet or whatever from the podcast account, it's usually me. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I rarely reply to people. Eddie, he isn't representing the podcast account. So he goes, <laughs> he just full on replies at everybody. And, That's me. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> I just, and I, uh, and I enjoy watching your, y- you telling them no thank you when they <laughs> offer us unsolicited feedback. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's, but it, it technically it is solicited. We literally ask for feedback every episode. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of feedback, but <laughs> the solicited sort. Uh, yeah. Last week's question of the week, uh, we we were talking about that terribly misguided Pepsi ad um, and how Pepsi thought they were going to solve a major social issue by uh, handing out their product or something. We don't know what's going on. So we wanted to know uh, if you had to write your own Pepsi styled ad to solve a social issue, what product would be involved and uh, what would the social issue be that you're going to try and solve and what would the ad be? Uh, you guys hit us up on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You also tweeted us at Relevant Podcast with some of your suggestions. We will try to read the ones that are <laughs> the least uh, politically incorrect. Yeah. I was going to say, the nature of the question yeah. is that is that's the people write wildly hilariously but yeah. wildly offensive things. Yeah. And I, what I didn't think we thought through is having to read them because <laughs> reading them on the page is funny, but me 
talking about how uh, uh, this Robert McDonald mascot that this person conceived of will solve oh, the Israel-Palestine conflict. That was the one I was going to do. Uh, I could, could see how people would be offensive if I yeah. read them. And all of them are of that level. And I don't know how comfortable I am reading them out loud. <laughs> oh, here's a few of our favorites. I mean, do you want to do it, Jesse? The Joel Torrance You can. One? You can. I'll do the Godzilla one. Okay. Joel Torrance. And I'll, I'll let, and I'll let you take the Dakota Access Pipeline. I will. I will do both. <laughs> and I would also like to say, uh, I'm going to read the Joel Torrens one that Joel wrote that I did not write. Right. And also, basically, here's a Pepsi for everyone. Let's read this feedback. <laughs> the answer to this editorial question of the week seems fairly straightforward to me. Here's the pitch. Ronald McDonald has a hole in his art that not even an all-day breakfast can solve. Are people eating Big Macs? Of course. Is he bringing smiles to children's faces? Definitely. But he's looking for something more. So he flies to the Middle East. The sight of an American fast food clown mascot brings smiles to people's faces and the commercial with Ronald McDonald brokering peace treaty between Israel and Palestine now has some sort of visual representation and unanimous support. To be clear, (laughs) McDonald's is not offering kosher or halal options, just solving the world's problems. Joel, well done. You just offended everyone, <laughs> including me, true. and I was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Midstream, you guys. Midstream, I realized this was a huge mistake. Yeah. Uh, edit it all out. <laughs> all is, of them that is really are bad. hilarious. We but did ask all for of it. them. I feel I cringe reading aloud. That's how. That's how it is. <laughs> I feel like when Jesse cringes, we are in like a real bad spot. Yeah, real bad spot. Yeah. I, I don't think we thought about that when we when we pitch it. I, let me let me address something else that was prominent in feedback, and that was uh, the the our idea to have a a, a robot surrogate. Uh, right. A lot of people were tweeting that they they approved of the idea, but some people brought up that it was a a plot point in an episode of the show The Big Bang Theory, oh, which no. we are we, clearly we and had no they idea. even screenshotted uh, 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 from an episode where one of the dudes has a shirt on his his iRobot thing. I will say we did not steal that joke, and I will also say that though Big Bang Theory did, obviously did not steal it from us, they did preempt butcher it That's they true. somehow went back in time butchered the joke uh because they're the big bang theory even though i haven't seen it i can confidently say it, right. they, they they butchered the concept okay. i'm going to not read a few of them but okay. just give the tie-ins sure. i think because somehow reading the pitch makes it a thousand times worse yeah and they did a great job so you, if you want to read them go over to the podcast episode page right. of the website emily clark did a wildly offensive and very effective job of giving us feedback uh connecting the beauty of uh bounty paper towel and the Dakota Access Pipeline. Oh, my. Uh, that was extremely <laughs> offensive. In case there's a spill, they would solve it because they can mop it up? That's the essential, okay. I, that's the essential yeah. idea of it. Yeah. Emily did a great job. Um, and and, and she, is, she says she's a missionary that, that uh, uh, works r- right there. Right. Uh, so she's, al- yeah. she's allowed to make the joke. She's got some skin in the game. I don't think I'm allowed yeah. to read it. Yeah. Um, Michael Lucero, of course, uh, big long rant about Lost. Still not sorry about that. And let's see. I think that's all of it. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, that was a misguided question of the week, so we'll get it right this week. It's time for yeah. this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier on the show, we got talking about um, unnecessary inventions, uh, yeah. things that have been created to solve a problem that nobody has to be solved, right. i.e. white coffee. Uh, mm-hmm. The banana slicer. 
That's exactly where my mind went. <laughs> right. Now, my daughter, though, loves that thing. But I will say, and I still, she still uses the one that you gave me as a joke when we were talking about something like this many yeah. years ago. Yeah. So that one does not count. That doesn't count. Everybody loves okay. that thing. So, but, but it got us thinking about inventions that have been, you know, pitched on Shark Tank or exist yeah. in source or that weird section on Amazon. Yes. You know, uh, which I or actually Sky was Mall. browsing last night. Yeah. 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 Things that uh, were invented to solve a problem that nobody asked to be solved. Uh, unnecessary mentions and things that are real, like yep. things you could send us a link to. So we want to know your best examples of uh, inventions or products that were created to solve a problem nobody has to be solved. You can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can send us your finds on the podcast episode page. You can post them right there in the comments, and we will read our favorites and and link to them and uh, retweet them on next week's show. Fantastic. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Many thanks to our guests for joining us. Uh, Coin's new album is out now. It's called How Will You Know If You Never Try? It comes out today. Also, thanks to Lee Strobel for joining us. Uh, the Case for Christ is in theaters now. You should go check it out. Apparently, it's really good. Like date night fodder. And yeah. maybe bring your un- unsaved friends. Yeah. And they made it into a book. And the book is well, great <laughs> as well. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, thanks to our show sponsors for making the episode possible. Remember, you can start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, enter offer code relevant to get 10% off your first purchase. Also, thanks to Blue Apron. You can get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash relevant. And make sure to check out on May 1st, the premiere Mm -hmm. of the Sean and Equus podcast. It'll be everywhere that podcasts are distributed. You'll be able to find it. Uh, We will probably bring you highlights or an excerpt on that week's episode of this show as well. And Uh, I feel like they'll be reminded through every channel we've got. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard a little bit of the marketing. Uh, You're going to know it's it's coming. Yeah, if you you follow Relevant at all, you will absolutely be reminded about the premiere on May 1st. I can't wait. You're one of the more thoughtful, kind people I know, and I cannot wait to hear your conversations. The, The thing about Shauna is with her books and with her speaking and everything. She brings great great content. She is, she is a great person to interview, but one of her best things I've ever seen her do is when she interviews other people like at at, the the, justice conference, when she runs a panel and she's like, like guides conversation and stuff and draws out content from others. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to be a fly on the wall, listening to an hour long conversation between Shauna and some of these amazing people that she's bringing on. It's going to be an awesome show. Yes. Oh, you guys are so nice. Thank you. It was nice having you here too, Sean. Yeah, it was yeah. fun Good hanging to out today. Oh, I felt like old times. It was I so fun. I can't wait to see the feedback when people are like, finally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. much better. <laughs> we know. We know. We, know. <laughs> uh, we get it. Yeah. There you go. And also, it's kind of wrecking my insecurity. <laughs> still, I know. And just a reminder, there is a true crime uh, mystery. Oh, my goodness. Uh, a true crime uh, uh, <laughs> drama that is unfolding and will be presented next week that everyone's going to be talking about. You do not want to miss this. I am, I'm literally getting chills again. You are, this is his, this is his Howard Hughes moment where he just finishes the plane and he's like, no, there's too many rivets. And then he goes back and spends another two years on it. This is going to be, this is crazy. Yeah. I'm telling you. This is you. the Spruce Goose of, yeah. of, of 12 minute podcast. You give yourself segment. chills talking about a story you already know. Spectacular. I mean, what we're talking about is something that could up, you know, it, it could, the, the American legal system 
system is not prepared for what's about to happen. Yeah. I will say that. And in conclusion to Jesse's point, Dana, if you're listening, it would be great if you could get back home. Um, <laughs> things have gone super, super weird with our pal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I know we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Taylor Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Shauna Nequist. We'll see you next week. Chaos horrendous, changing the currents and tide. The water can keep getting deeper, cause I'll be right here staying dry. Ooh, yeah. I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. Ooh, yeah. Come to me quick, come to me quick. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Just wanna go and love is alive, love is alive, love is alive. Just wanna go and love is alive, love is alive, love is alive. Guys, I swallowed seven quarters this morning.